Hello, welcome back to I Want a Job, the podcast. Today we are speaking with Diana Klitschkova, VP of Digital Strategy for Rebel Ventures. Rebel Ventures is a leading sports digital strategy and tech venture firm, and Diana currently manages several operations for Rebel Ventures. And for those of you who are sports fans, listen to this client list, Real Madrid, Golden State Warriors, Boston Red Sox, San Francisco 49ers, among others. In this show, Diana discusses how digital is changing sports and tech. We discuss how the industry is becoming more inclusive, accepting of women's involvement, and Diana shares her career path, how she built up a mastery in digital media strategy, and she offers advice on things she has learned along the way through a career, including roles developing a social media Bible used globally within Levi's, developing social strategy for restaurants in Panama, and so much more. And if you're enjoying our shows, please make sure you're subscribed to our email list so you can get links with detailed show notes to everything we discuss in our shows, resources. If you have ideas for future guests, if you're inspired by a show, let us know. You can reach us at podcast and I want her job.com. So let's get started with Diana Klochkova. Tell us all about Rebel Ventures and the types of services it offers. Yeah, uh, Rebel Ventures has been around for a couple of years now. It actually originally started with uh, our founder, Craig Howe, who uh, was doing some work uh, as an independent consultant, working with leagues and teams on, on digital strategy. And really at the core of sort of what we do and what our, our um, ethos is, is transforming digital from a cost center to a revenue center for teams and leagues. I think that traditionally... And this doesn't just apply to sports teams, it applies to brands as well. Digital started out as this thing that seemed really cool and we should probably be doing this and let's throw an intern on it. Uh, and it's very quickly evolved into a really viable business unit uh, that should be helping to drive revenue and business objectives. So we help, uh, especially teams who are usually short-staffed and under-resourced on the marketing side of things, uh, we help them sort of transition into that mode of thought when it comes to digital. Got it. And can you give us some examples of projects that exemplify the impact of what you just referred to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the biggest ones that I'm really excited about that was uh, more recent was the Bulls. The Chicago Bulls are a big client of ours. We've been with them for a few seasons now. And this kind of transformation, as you can imagine, it's not immediate. It's not overnight. There are a lot of moving pieces. Um, and so we've been working with them on quite uh, a few different initiatives. But one of them was a project that they did with BMO Harris Bank. And they had an idea for a really cool Vine content series that they sort of just wanted to do anyway that they thought would be really different and engaging. Uh, it was going to cost them a bit of money to hire somebody who was an expert uh, on the platform. And so they partnered up, up with BMO and said, look, we don't know exactly what return this is going to give you. We don't know exactly how this will perform, but you're one of more, our more innovative partners. What do you say we team up on this? Uh, and and see how it goes. It ended up being their best performing sponsored content of all time. Uh, and that case study has in this next season driven a lot of partners to come to them and say, wow, forget all this other stuff we've been doing that's really ineffective. We really want to take a step forward and do something similar to what you guys did with BMO. And that has driven incremental dollars in terms of sponsorship revenue for digital specifically. Wow. So can you, so backing up, so who, the idea was first from the Bulls or how did, how did it evolve? Yeah, it's from their creative team. It was really just something that they wanted to do that would be new and different on their platforms. 
Um, but partnering that with a sponsor is really key to making it happen usually. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about kind of justifying the cost and, and continuing to uh, integrate digital with the sponsorship side, which is one of the main ways that our teams can start to drive revenue with what they're doing in digital. Got it. And so tell us about a typical day or the types of clients and projects that you usually work on. Oh, man. Um, a typical day really, really varies. So sometimes I'm in my pajamas all day staring at my laptop from my couch. Uh, and it can be putting together a 60-page digital strategy that highlights every single way that a digital team uh, will be working with their counterparts in sponsorship and in analytics and uh, with team leadership. Uh, or it can be uh, quite often actually sitting in person with our clients uh, at their office for a few days at a time and either discussing some of their pain points as we kind of sort out what their strategy will look like and what their working processes will look like, uh, or sharing uh, quite often with teams outside of the digital team how digital works, what the best practices are, and helping everybody from creative to analytics understand the best way to make use of the platforms. Got it. And tell us a little bit about your path. How did you end up uh, in marketing and digital strategy, specializing in sports brands? I don't really know. <laughs> um, so I majored in economics. And um, it's funny looking back on it now because it actually makes a lot of sense for um, what I do at Rebel. Uh, econ to me was interesting because it was all about uh, numbers, which I loved, but not sort of hard and fast numbers. It was trying to take something that was relatively abstract, like human behavior and money, uh, and transfer it into something that could be much more predictable and analyzed. Um, and so it's funny that I ended up doing this because that really applies. But I knew when I was majoring in econ that I wanted to apply uh, that knowledge and kind of business knowledge into something that I found interesting, and sports became that. Um, being in the Bay Area, I landed at a startup that I had no idea what we did. Uh, neither did the founders really at the time. We were all trying to figure it out. But luckily, it ended up being a company called Guard Barker that then became part of Fox Sports. It was sort of within the Bleacher Report SB Nation world of aggregating sports blogs and trying to sell the advertising against them. Um, so that's how I became familiar with this whole world of sports and media and digital publishing uh, Twitter and all of that kind of sort of came up as I was working there and being the youngest person on the team, I was charged with heading that up. And so somehow I got swept down this path of, of digital and sports. Um, along the way, I made a few stops. I actually led marketing for a group of restaurants in Panama where I focused on digital. We were the first restaurants in Panama to do online reservations. Wow. Um, then I came back to the U.S. and ended up heading up uh, global social media for Levi's, um, which was a huge uh, learning experience in the world of corporations and how digital works there. And then went to the buying side where I, I bought social paid media for some of the biggest companies in the world with Omnicom and then landed here at Rebel. So I've really gotten this full 360 tour of uh, digital media publishing, um, buying, and partnerships, um, which is all very much kind of come full circle with the teams that we work with. Absolutely. You have such amazing experience. And when you look back on it, what projects or places do you think gave you the experience and the knowledge to be able to have um, such expertise now to lead digital strategy at such a large scale? 
I think the Levi's experience was definitely a huge one. I mean, working for a brand like that, you just have so much opportunity uh, for all kinds of different experiences. One was I got to go live in China for a month in Shanghai because I was like, look, I'm leading global social. China's a big market. I do not understand the social platforms there. I have to go and just sit in their office with them and learn more. Um, so that was interesting from a both uh, global business perspective and just a personal perspective. But really, um, what was fascinating to me was um, I was leading social, but I obviously worked really closely with the general marketing group and our partners at Omnicom and OMD and Resolution that did our paid media. And it was really the partnerships that we had with publishers um, like ESPN, like Complex, versus it was exciting to me because it kind of got me back into that world of sports a little bit that I understood. Um, but it was also just fascinating to see the way that that world was evolving, especially from my early days at Yard Barker, uh, where I didn't really know what uh, con branded content was and what we were trying to do with it. But once I came to Levi's, it was something that was becoming much more of an area of investment for brands. And they started to understand the value of like, look, these publishers really know their audiences. They can create really interesting content and distribute it for us. Why are we just putting up ads everywhere? Hmm. Um, so seeing that evolution and being a part of those bigger projects was really interesting to me. And I think it's what I reference most now in, in my current role with Rebel. Very good advice. And what about the Panama experience? How long did you live there? Uh, I was there a year. Wow. Uh, so what uh, what are the highlights when you look when you think back about it? Oh man, uh, what a crazy interesting place. Um, I guess the highlight would be I met the president within a month of living there. <laughs> um, we were a small group of restaurants, but some of the earlier high end restaurants. It's a very quickly evolving market. It's I'm sure completely different now since I left about five years ago. Um, but it was just rapidly evolving, this big Latin American business center, a business center for other internationals, uh, as we later found out for interesting reasons. But, um, you know, there there were these high-end restaurants there that I was working for, and uh, a month in, the president had a private dinner with the woman who owns Corona, among other Latin American business leaders, uh, where they were just kind of sitting in our restaurant smoking cigars all night and drinking and toasting and chatting about doing business in Panama. It was fascinating. I love that. Um, so you're, ten you're in a male-dominated field. So can you share how this impacts you and how you feel about the differences in gender at your workplace? It, it can be tough. Um, but I will say that, you know, in my relatively short career of about uh, 10 years, it's definitely evolved and in a very promising way that gets me excited. Um, I think early on I had internships with agencies and teams and it was very much, look, you're a girl, so you're going to do community relations or you might do some PR and marketing, but this is your world. Go ahead and play in that sandbox. Um, now, I think especially because I'm a little bit older and have this experience uh, in realms outside of sports, it's been a lot easier to come back and get valued for this experience that I have that uh, is knowledge that is really missing in the sports industry. And that's been uh, sort of regardless of gender. And I'm seeing that for a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of, you know, the, the old boys in the business kind of say that, you know, or have this perception that 
women don't really know sports as well. They don't really belong there. They didn't used to play, right? You have all these former football players who are, are working in leadership on the front uh, front office end now. But um, when they see that you have very legitimate experience in a field that they are typically pretty uncomfortable with and pretty unfamiliar with, uh, the older white dudes at the top, they really don't know digital, don't understand what it means, but they are starting to see that it's a potential place uh, for incremental revenue and that's something they want. So um, I feel like women, especially in this digital sector of sports, are valued a lot more for their knowledge uh, of that business and kind of ignored for being women in sports, right? That's become less of a factor. Got it. A factor. And so for women who are interested in careers within digital marketing, what skills would you recommend, course of study, or what types of projects should women actively seek to build your type of mastery in digital marketing strategy? Well, so for younger women, what's really exciting to me is that these types of really specialized courses are showing up in colleges. Um, when I was at Resolution Media doing the social media buying, I actually helped out a little bit with something our team was doing with uh, Loyola Marymount University and teaching a course all on buying uh, digital media for search and social, namely. Um, and to me, that was like, wow, if I would have known that this was a business and you know, really get, gotten hands-on with how to use it, um, at that age, how valuable would that be? Um, so I think looking for really specialized courses like that, whether it be in college or some of these other external groups that have kind of experts teaching a 10-week course and something really specialized, um, that is of huge value. Hmm. Um, you can even do things like that independently. So um, Facebook has their blueprint program and they just recently cert uh, announced a certification program for that. So you can go online, just like with Google search, you can go online, go through their courses, uh, really learn the ins and outs of, of using their advertising buying platform uh, and get officially certified. That right there opens up huge doors of, of opportunity in that world um, because we were constantly just trying to find people who knew anything about social media or search buying. Um, so that's pretty specialized within that area, but I definitely do recommend looking at it. The other big thing that I've always sort of talked to my direct reports about is don't get too caught in one specific area. I think that the biggest value that I've gotten out of this crazy career path that I've had is that 360 view. I understand paid media. I understand pu uh, publisher side. I understand partnerships. I understand brand. And you're... You might be just on one side of that, but you're always selling or buying from another end of it. So being able to understand what it's like from both sides so you can make sure you're getting the most out of what you do uh, with your partners is really, really valuable. That is such great advice. So what you mentioned, the Facebook blueprint and Google search, are there any other kind of skill certifications that you think are very important now and will continue to be in the future? Those are the big ones that I know of in terms of certifications, uh, and those are still relatively recent, right? The, the Facebook one, I think, was just announced this week. Wow. Um, so everything else really just goes off of actually diving in and having that experience. Um, and I guess to that end, it's really, you know, especially at a younger age, in the beginning of a career, you get really bogged down in the day-to-day, -day, um, but... Another thing that I encourage everybody to do is step back. What's the one big thing that you can take away? Again, at my time at Levi's, it was like, I only spent one month of my almost three years there in Shanghai, 
but I've really been able to point to that as a really big experience and um, indicative of my knowledge of social media platforms in China. So look for those things that are kind of one nice packaged opportunity where you can say, yes, stake in the ground. I've done this. I really understand it. I'm an expert in it. And when you think about your role today, what opportunities really excite you? Um, maybe new kind of ways of doing things or what gets you really excited about your projects? So what's really cool is a couple of our clients are working on new arenas or stadiums. Um, and that creates really, really big opportunities for the integration of what we're doing in the digital realm with what's happening in kind of the heart of what they do, um, which is at games. And so being able to start connecting the dots um, between what fans are doing at a game online uh, and sort of full circle between the two um, is really, really cool for me. So I think that, you know, step one with teams has really been catching up to where brands are at and just starting to be really smart about the content that they're putting out there and how they're interacting with fans in social and digital. Um, but step two is the kind of the new frontier where brands have been for a little while is trying to focus everything on own data, start understanding who all of your fans are, what their profiles look like, and then understanding how they're interacting with you across touch points. And so being able to do that much better in a newer stadium or arena is going to be really key for that. Um, right now, it's like, you know, I work with the Rams very closely. Uh, we just started our, our relationship there. They're very short staffed because they just moved markets. And so that's been my main area of focus. And we have all these plans for game day. We go in and then there's no Wi-Fi or reception. <laughs> and it's like, well, I guess we're not live streaming anything today. So um it's, it's little things like that, but being able to really own the space and make sure that the technology is there in the space where all the action is happening, that'll start to really change the way that we're able to build everything around it, I think. Got it. And then virtual reality, right? When that comes up, I can imagine. That's huge. And it's like, it's already been coming up for a while, right? And I think um, I've gotten really excited about it, just going to like Facebook's conferences where they start to show you know, the level that they've been able to get things to where it's really hard to differentiate between virtual reality and reality, which is a little bit scary too. Um, but I think, you know, there's always been this huge limitation of I can have up to anywhere from 20,000 to 90,000 people actually there for a game. Um, and then you have these massive international audiences that will never make it there. Um, and being able to bridge that gap a little bit for the folks who can never get there is huge. And to me, it's also, as it becomes um, more widespread technology, um, it's the people who can't afford season tickets with their entire family to a game. They're able to, you know, grab a headset at their local Best Buy or whatever and watch the game from there, whatever it might be. Um, one of the first kind of forays into this for us was uh, with our client at Liverpool, we got the Theta 360 camera when it first came out. Not super, super high quality. We weren't able to put it in the middle of the field, which would have been ideal, but we just stuck it in a corner. And we filmed in 360 um, the fans singing the song that they sing every every game before it starts, yeah. which is such a beautiful moment that you really can't understand fully until you're there. And I... I was never even a big fan of soccer, but going <laughs> going to one of their games and being a part of the crowd as they kind of did this together was so moving and interesting for me. Um, putting that in even in, in, into a 360 video, albeit 
poor quality, poor camera placement. Mm-hmm. Um, it does wonders in terms of making people feel like they're there and part of that experience. And for all of those millions of people who are fans and will never make it to Anfield in Liverpool, um, this was the, the closest they could get. So that was really exciting and kind of a eye-opening moment of like, wow, we're only going to continue to improve the quality of this and what a change that makes. I love that story. So how far you do you think from including VR as part of your marketing strategies? Uh, not far at all. It's something that we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, I think much like even video in, in social and mobile, um, for quite a while, everybody's talking about videos, it videos, a thing, videos, a thing. And it kind of took this like crossroads of our connection speed is fast enough. The platforms have the native technology and, um, and, uh, what was the third factor? I always talk about this. Anyway, it kind of took all of these factors coming together to like, okay, now people are actually, oh, the autoplay feature, right, in most uh, platforms now. So then all of a sudden we actually saw the uptick in video that everybody knew was coming, but it sort of took those final factors to come together. Um, I think it's the same thing with VR, right? It takes the, the quality getting to a certain level and the accessibility of it and really just people getting accustomed to it as being a thing. Um, I think that it took a while, even with smartphones, right, that adoption, understanding what the opportunities were there. Um, even things with, like, social and the news feed, right, every, it took a while for everybody to get accustomed to it and maximize the use of it. So it'll be the same thing with VR. And, um, we're already looking at it, especially, again, with those teams that have new arenas coming out or who... Um, are really just kind of advanced in what they're already doing and looking at the next step. Very cool. And so tell us, um, what are, are there some daily practices, mindset, or philosophies that you could define that have led to your success? For example, I think about you going to Panama, Shanghai. You seem very adventurous. Um, <laughs> what What else? Um, yeah, definitely the just once I decide to do something, it's like, let's just go for it and see what happens. Um, one of the big things for me is trying to ignore the small stuff. Like I said, um, what will really make the building blocks of, of your career, at least from what I've experienced is the big things that you can really kind of wrap a bow around and put a stake in the ground and say, I did this and here's what I learned from it. Um, so not getting too bogged down in the day to day, saying no to some things, sometimes just ignoring some things, ignoring emails, ignoring phone calls to focus on the big project that you really know will move the needle, whether it be for you personally, for your client, uh, or, or whatever. Um, I think that that's a big daily thing for me and a daily struggle. I think especially as women, it's hard for us to not be people pleasers and want to help with this, that, or the other. Um, but my boss has actually been really great about uh, teaching this to me of like, especially when you have multiple clients, especially when you have longer term contracts, um, you need to do one thing at a time with them. Because not only will it, it just bog you down to try to do everything to help them right away, but also they won't even be able to implement it because they're just trying to kind of put all of your advice and all of your work into practice at the same time and they'll never actually get it on their own. So kind of controlling the cadence at which you do work, I think is really important. So when you were younger and thinking of careers, what kind of work were you drawn to? Oh man, um, 
I think from when I was little coming from an immigrant family, and you might identify with this, it was like, make as much money as you can. So when I found out how much lawyers made, I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, things have very much changed since then. And it's much more about um, doing things that I find interesting. Um, but I, I think that even later on, even in college, I saw myself as like, oh, I want to be a leader. I want to um, be wheeling and dealing and like putting deals together. Maybe I'll be a sports agent. Um, and to me, as things have kind of moved forward, that's become a little bit too abstract. Um, and I like to feel like I'm building something from the ground up that's really solid. And that's where the analytical side come back, comes back into play. Um, I love that I work with clients, I sit down with them and I look at the numbers and I'm like, look, here's what you're doing that's working. Here's what you're doing that's not. It's really hard to argue with this. Here's how we're going to maximize that and keep playing with things until we get things moving in the right direction. So it feels a lot more kind of grounded and solidified than just like trying to uh, wheel and deal and, and make the most money for a client. Absolutely. And just curiosity, um, being in sports, like what motivates you? What, what makes you feel really fulfilled about the type of work that you do? Um, I think that ultimately, and every once in a while, uh, I have this like existential crisis of why am I not helping orphans somewhere in the world rather than working on NFL clients. Um, but ultimately, especially being here this season in LA, uh, as the Rams have come back, getting to work with them and seeing um, the the turnout at the stadium for the first uh, home game of the of the season last week. Um, it really does bring a community together and then it does enable um, some of the great things that, that those guys do in the community. Um, so to me, it's like, it's that entertainment. It's that time away from, for everybody from some of the harder issues in the world and like bringing a community together. That's really important. Again, like the bulls are really great at that. The Atlanta Hawks are all about that. They're all about Atlanta not even necessarily about basketball, but about their community that's growing and changing constantly. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's really what keeps me interested and engaged is kind of what is this industry really providing people? And it's the, the sense of community and the entertainment. Absolutely. I love that. And I, maybe that'll give other women listening a different perspective because that makes so much sense. Are there any causes where if you had more time, you'd want to be more involved? Uh, maybe what do you think are the most important, some of the important causes of our time right now? so many that's what's hard is our level of awareness is so high because mm -hmm. namely of social um but then it's hard to know what to do um especially in sports right thing with colin kaepernick and the national anthem and and the black lives matter movement that's become um kind of a relevant topic there um i actually have a side project too where i develop um water sports apparel and accessories for women and i think um being a, an avid scuba diver and somebody who just always has always been a swimmer and loved the ocean um, from an environmental perspective, ocean and beyond, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And then it even gets down into like more grassroots things. Like it terrifies me that children don't know what a beat looks like. Um, there are some really interesting programs going on in LA. I know that teach kids how to actually plant food, grow food, understand nutritional value and not just all processed packaged, um, you know, meat and cheese. Um, so like there's this full spectrum of stuff that really interests me and that I like to 
get involved in what I can, but it's really, it's really rare. I don't think I've picked my one main thing that I'm really going to champion and work on. Yeah. What about, what was the water and line you mentioned? Oh, so this was, um, I've always been a swimmer, water polo player, um, just love the water. And so, uh, I had an idea a long time ago for something that would be like a swim cap, but just a headband. So if you just wanted to go lap swimming and wanted to keep your head or your face or just go stand up paddle boarding, um, but nothing like that existed. And so um, I ended up partnering up with a friend that I actually met while I was in Shanghai um, and we did a Kickstarter and launched that product. And then just recently we have evolved it to uh, also include water sports apparel for women, right? So you have Lululemon and all these great manufacturers making sports apparel for women that's really comfortable and high performance and has a nice fit to it. But then if you want to do water sports, your options are like a bikini or menswear. (laughs) And so we wanted to make something that was in the middle. So as if I don't spend enough time at work, I then also have that as sort of my second job slash hobby. What's it called? Uh, It's called Clash with a K. Uh Um, The headband product is called the Bang Wrangler. Oh, we'll link to it. And so you mentioned scuba diving. Any other hobbies or interests you pursue in your free time? Um, As you've gathered, I do really like to travel. Um, Most recently, I went with my fiance to Ireland to visit my sister who actually lives there um, and got to meet some really interesting and wonderful people who live out in the country there and got to tell us their stories of, you know, their great, great grandparents and the famine and all that crazy stuff. And Mm -hmm. so... That's something that I really love is, again, hearing the stories from people who live all around the world and and kind of what the history of their area of the world has been like. I love that, too. I'm always taking tours, like historical tours or anything I can. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like to just like go to a city and like hang out in a bar or something. I want to know what what am I looking at here? What is this architecture and where did it come from? Absolutely. Yeah. Like on that. Diana, it's been so great to learn about your role at Rebel Ventures. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really interesting. Thank you. 